Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And today we are doing one of our mini retreat recaps. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot, if you've been listening the last few weeks, about the retreat we are doing in Colorado this November 2021. Super excited about that. Um, in the meantime, over the last year, we've had a couple of local mini retreats with just eight to 10 women at a time. And it's been so beautiful uh, watching who God brings together in those spaces and how he just moves so beautifully. And we probably laugh as much as we cry and vice versa. So I don't know if that's a sell or for anyone, but it's certainly a win for me. Yeah, I think, let's see, we just are coming off the heels of our last one, which would be, I think, the fourth one that we've done in some shape or entity in the last year or so. Uh, And we never really set out to start doing these retreats. I mean, we've been planning the Colorado retreat since 2018, I want to say. And we knew it was always going to be the fall of 2020, but then obviously COVID happened and we ended up having to reschedule it a year later. So we've been looking forward to this big retreat and we know what can happen in a, you know, like a large conference setting. We've done a lot of those, Um, but we never sought out to have these kind of mini weekends with just a small group of ladies. And, um, that kind of just, we fell into it a little bit by accident. And these, I don't know, I can't even describe it. Every single one that we've done have been a totally different group of women every time. Um, some of, sometimes it's been groups that already knew each other and had relationship going in. Some of it has been people that had never even met each other coming into it. Um, some of it, they all knew each other and like, we didn't necessarily know them. So it's, it's been kind of a mix and God shows up like literally every time. I know every time, like we had just gotten there and we're eating dinner and we started playing a game that was really just to get to know you less of a game, more of just a question and answer kind of session, but because uh, Enneagram ones like Deidre need to have a structure to the conversation. Well, we didn't all know each other, so (laughs) we needed to do something to make that less awkward, but people were crying like within the first couple minutes because some of the questions just, they went really deep and answered at that level. And we all got to know each other at a new level, even if we did already know one another. Um, And what I love about it was that people came willing to show up willing to uh, bear a part of themselves that maybe they don't show people on a regular basis. And because of that, God met us, I believe, in just such a beautiful way. And there's something transformative about uh, just laying down the stuff. Well, first of all, I think it's two things. I think it's getting away from the busyness of life because our schedules and busyness and relational tasks and pulls and uh, commitments, they they pull on our energy in a way that makes us kind of go through life on autopilot sometimes. Um, But secondly... I think so. I think if we do that, he's gonna, you know, it, he's gonna show up because we made space. But right. secondly, I think it's a vulnerability type of making space that I mean. So making space in your time is one thing. Making space in your heart, in your soul, to be seen, to be really heard, to try to understand yourself, and to really understand others at a deeper level. So that was beautiful. Um, I just thought maybe we could talk today about what that looks like. So last week we we did an on-air typing with Hillary. <laughs> if you missed it, it's a great episode. Uh, super fun. Just uh, not everyone obviously figures out their Enneagram type that quickly. And she's still processing hers a little bit to make sure that that is indeed um, her Enneagram. But uh, that was kind of an example on fast forward motion of what we do when we sit with people, whether it's in a small group or at a retreat teaching or one-on-one coaching counseling, uh, we 
we start to ask questions. We start to get to know something about each of the nine types. We'd learn about the triads and stances and all of these things. Um, so I just thought maybe Megan, you could kind of share what it's like each time we sit down, how people respond to learning or maybe the first time they've heard something and they're like, whoa. It's been really interesting for me because we've done, like I said, four of these like weekends, we've done several big trainings. We've done a lot of one-on-ones. We've done informal talks with people and every single time it seems something different happens. I mean, we're teaching the same material every time, but it's like, as you start to dialogue these principles out with people, as you start to dialogue, well, what, what does this mean when a six goes to, you know, three in stress or when when a, what does it mean to be in the thinking or press stance for a two or, or whatever that is, when you start to really die, dialogue out those trainings that we do with people who are living it, it, I think I learn something new every time as a coach. Um, and I think people who have never heard it before, it's like it all clicks in a place for them. All of a sudden they can look back and go, Oh, this all makes sense. This is why I react this way. This is why this relationship broke. This is why, um, my husband is wired completely different from me and we respond to things differently. And then people who have heard it, I mean, our friend that was there were like, we're so sorry. You've heard this like six times. And even, even that, like she felt like God was showing her something completely new that just like healed something inside of her. And it was so beautiful to watch. So I love teaching on it. I don't get tired of it. And it's, it feels different every time. It really does. Yeah. Like you said, our friend who had, um, she's on our board. She's been to like every retreat and conference we've done. She's such an amazing woman of God who already has done a lot of soul work on her own, even before she knew Enneagram. But every time she gets her notes out and she takes more notes and God said something new to her this time. And she's just crying as she shared it because she's like, isn't it beautiful when he keeps revealing how much he loves you, when he keeps revealing the lies that you're, you've been buying into instead of the truth that he has for you. Um, but I love when people are listening. So we usually start with Enneagram 8 when we're going through teaching it because they're the kind of top of the clock of the the beginning of the gut anger tried of 8, 9, and 1. So it would make sense if we started with 1, but it makes more sense to us to start with 8. And so we start with that. And of course, the 8s in the room are pretty, they're usually pretty confident that that's probably their number. But, you know, as we go around and go through all the 7s who are going to be last are sitting there like, oh, I have to sit through all of this note-taking. I'm not doing any of that. Just get to my number. But you can hear when we get to the number that someone relates to, because all of a sudden they pipe up in their conversation and they're asking questions. They're like, oh my gosh, that's why. Um, and I love it. And the best part about doing it in that small group setting is there's so much dialogue. Yeah. So people are hearing, and that's what makes it even different for us each time, because the mix of the people that are in the room are different. And so the dialogue is different and the aha moments are different. And uh, the healing messages, while they might be the same on paper, they're internalized differently for everyone. Uh, so it's really neat to hear that uh, conversation that leads t- from information to that kind of illumination of like, boom, light bulb moment. That's me. Oh my gosh, this is me. Or someone sitting there going, wait, I think I see myself in three numbers. And then we spend a lot of pool time and late night pizza time trying to whittle that down and hone in on which one is really their type. Yeah, the conversations I feel, for me this weekend were really illuminating because there were three of us in the room that identified as a four and then another woman's daughter who identifies as a four um, that she was talking about. And as we just kept having the conversation about a four, it occurred to me that 
sometimes in the training, a lot of the training is based on stereotypical behaviors of each number, even though we're talking about the motivations, we know that's really the root and the core of all of it. To paint a picture of what a number looks like, though, we have to rely on some stereotypes. But when you start looking at it, and I'm saying, well, as a four, this this is how I would go about my day. And somebody else is saying, well, as a four, this is how I would go about my day. And they seem opposite. It made the other girl question, well, am I a four? And so it's really important when you start looking at that going, no, because that we're being driven by the same motivating factors. It just plays out differently. So the conversations can really un, like peel back the gray areas and the nuances of how numbers don't just fit into a box like people are so afraid of. Yes. You know, I, I just, I really appreciated that specifically for me because I think you can be like, well, that's a four thing, but maybe it's not like just because, just because that's how I manifest out the motivations of a four isn't how every four would. Right. Right. And drilling down on some of those, um, fears, core longings, the wounding message, um, everybody hears those words differently. So like defining how we are saying it and how we mean it. uh, Also giving examples of how we've seen it explained by like you said, like the wounding message for a four as you would explain it versus maybe how she explained it once she kind of got a handle on it. Um, Another girl, we thought she was like, I think I'm a four, but when you're reading the stuff about ones, oh, like so much. And we went back and forth on that for a while. And after a bit, we found out there was some life experience based in her background. And there was some trauma that um, she encountered that really Reson- that some of those one messages really resonated with her, even though like on every other thing, she was a four, you know? And so as we realized that we're like, oh, okay, so that maybe isn't your lens, but the trauma makes you aware that there's this thing wrong with you. It's not really, but you know, you feel that way. Um, and so that it, as we really got, went back and forth talking about it from her perspective and what she's lived through, oh, okay, you're a four that resonates with some of these one spaces and that makes sense, but that's not like what's driving you, motivating yeah. you, all of that. Yeah. I think that's why it just goes to show why tests that you take online just aren't a good indicator of your number. They don't take into account life experiences. They don't take into account um, who you were raised by. They don't take into account who you currently live with and what job you have and what's expected of you in your day-to-day life. And it really just can't account for your behaviors and and life and your experiences. So until you can really hash it out, and I mean hash it out, it's been several years and I'm still like, sometimes I don't feel like a four. And you're always like, no, you're a four. But until (laughs) you're like really hashing out and digging into what it is that's driving us. And sometimes we can understand like the motivation of a number, but we don't understand ourselves all the time either. And we're always like peeling back more parts of ourself that we can then apply to what we know about the Enneagram. Yeah. I'm convinced that there's so many things like that. I thought, Oh, you know, 10 years ago, I started this journey, maybe not Enneagram language, but some healing that I was doing in my own life. And I thought I had conquered something or I thought I had fixed something, or I thought I had finally gotten it right, you know? And then you go through another couple months or a year and you hit a situation that isn't the same circumstance but the same issue that I've been dealing with surfaces again. And it's like, oh, there's another level of that, that I need to go deeper for healing and for freedom and for transformation. And even still just this weekend, like you said, we've done a lot of this. I was hearing things for me differently as I was hearing it through other people's eyes and helping them process for themselves that I was like, whoa, that's still a a spot in me. That's just wrong and, and wounded 
it's not so much that it's wrong. Like there's a right way to live in the world, but you don't want to live from a place of woundedness where you're all um, in self-protection or trying to fix yourself. And there was just still another place in my life where God was able to just gently speak, Hey, let's work on this now too. You know? And I, and I don't have to be afraid of that anymore. I think what people fear in these kinds of things, any kind of self-discovery is, um, is it safe for me Mm -hmm. to be, you know, to lay this down, to be bare here? And, and the truth is, um, not with everybody. No, it's not always safe. You know, not everybody is a safe person, but we really do create create space here where people can go as far as they want to go. And we said to one girl, listen, this is the first conversation you're having on this particular subject. We don't have to go there. If you don't want to go there, she, you know, kind of took in what she took in and she said, okay, thank you. I hear what you're saying. And I want to just sit with this for a little while. And we're like, yeah, sit with it, sit with it for a year, two years, like sit with it, but don't, don't shove it in again. Like, you know, take, take it out and like, let it be exposed a little bit so it can be examined. Uh, what is the famous saying? An unexamined life isn't worth living. You know, like it, you're not really fully living if you're living avoiding pain. Because if you're right. shutting every, if you're shutting um, down enough so that you don't experience pain, then I promise you, you're also shutting down some of the joy and love and comfort and security and all those other things that you want to feel because you can't have a full range of one side and not the other. So it all gets kind of shut down when that's the state you're living in. Yeah. There was a lot of graces weekend for people to take baby steps and for people to take giant leaps. And we saw all of it and and there was no like criticism of either one. There was no condemnation of that for people yeah. who boldly stepped out. We applauded them. And for people who um, just studied back and observed more, we applauded them because we can see how God was moving in their lives. So no one's journey looks the same. Um, no one in there, you know, probably does anything in the same way. You know, we were 10 very different women in that house this weekend and we could approach a task and all do something completely differently. And we approach our journeys with God differently and that's okay. You know, he still shows up and meets us where we are and he's faithful to do that. And there's grace for every part of it. He absolutely does. There is not a one size fits all and there's no expectation of that. Um, so you were saying that, oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Cause you just said it and I had it in my brain. And then I was trying to like, listen and be present to what you were saying and not rehearse <laughs> what I was about to say, which is very <laughs> difficult for me in podcast conversations. I will admit to that. Um, but you were saying something about the pain of like feeling exposed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, you correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is an analogy used with me years and years ago that when we like kind of start a journey of healing and self-awareness with the Lord, it can start to feel like someone's peeling our skin off and our nerve endings are, are kind of exposed. Right. Yeah. But the way God does it. So, so it, could, it can be painful, but he doesn't rip our whole body of skin. We can't survive that way. Right. We've built up self-protection of skin for a reason, you know, and it's like, he just gently peels back layer by layer. So we're never actually left completely raw. Like He's not going to take every single piece of self-protective measures we put around our heart or our emotions or our mind or our bodies and strip them all off at once and leave us standing there completely exposed. Right. He takes it just piece by gentle piece and layer by gentle layer because he knows that we wouldn't be able to survive it if it all came off at once. 
Yeah, I think also he understands that he gave us self-protection as a means of coping with how hard life can be. Um, we have, you know, we don't just stand there when our foot is in a flame <laughs> and watch it burn up. Like he gave us pain receptors so that we could pull our foot out of the flame so that we could still walk, you know, like there's a reason why. And even in our hearts um, and our souls, we, our brain is wired to avoid that because it will destruct us. Um, abuse, codependency. These are things that are not good roads to go down. So we have to find boundaries. We have to find uh, healthy ways of protecting ourselves from abuse or neglect or any type of pain, even if it's as small as embarrassment, you know, as a little kid or whatever. But yeah. when that pain management becomes um, it's so ingrained that it's our security blanket. Like, yeah. It's our security blanket. It's just our second nature. We don't even know we're doing it to be honest. Let's just be honest. We've got decades of doing this without thinking about it. Um, that he knows that we're just kind of walking around with this giant bubble. It's like, we're the boy in the bubble. We're just all walking around with these giant bubble wrap bodies, you know? And then we're like trying to hug people or have a connection with others, but we we can't connect. The connection has these huge, big uh, things. And we're just kind of bumping off of each other. And he knows what is better for us is to live without all of that padding and, and guarding and all of that. And so when we're willing to um, show up in vulnerability in that way and allow him to start peeling back, just maybe one layer bubble wrap at a time. <laughs> he, uh, he does it gently. He's so sweet. There's so much grace for it. But like you said, that, that nerve ending being exposed, it's like if your skin was removed and all of your nerve, that's why burn victims, um, the level of pain they're in is just excruciating because it's literally the nerve exposed. And so uh, we, we want to quit it then right? That's painful. I want to go back to when it didn't hurt so bad. So the first steps of a healing journey often feel that way. They often feel like you're worse off than you were before you started this because it hurts. Um, And I think that just keeping that in mind that you're on a healing journey and sometimes you have to debreed some stuff, you know, to get to the new skin, that's the good soft flesh that's healthy. Um, And that's what he wants for us is the other side of that healing journey. I would, I remember getting so frustrated with the process a decade ago when I was like, I'm just done with this. I want it to all be fixed and I want it to be healed. And then like, I felt like I came to this place where I was like, okay, like I feel, God, you've done a good work. All right, we're good now. And then, you know, a month, a week, a day later, I would hit up against something and God would go, oh, look, here's another layer we have to peel back. And, you know, it just keeps happening. Like, even still, I still want to feel like I've arrived and God's like, no, 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 now it's time to deal with this layer. And I feel like if I had known that 10 years ago, how long of a journey it would be, or if he had just stripped all of the layers away at once, I wouldn't have been able to survive that. It had to be done in process. It had to be this long journey because the stuff I'm dealing with today, I couldn't have dealt with 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't ready for that. Also, what 10 years ago, one issue that you had to look at consumed everything like screaming pain for months on for one thing. Right. And then it was weeks mm-hmm. and then it was days. And now it's almost like hourly. Like when something exposed, it's like you have the awareness to see it. You have enough like self-awareness to acknowledge it. And then you have the 
the pattern of taking it to the Lord to say, I want to, I want to lay this down here. I don't need this in my life anymore, but I want you to replace this lie with truth, or I want you to replace this practice with, you know, another practice that is whole and integrated versus is however it was before. And um, so to say it's a lifetime journey is true, but it, it gets easier in the sense that you get familiar with how the process works now and and you know that it's going to be better. And you know that the other side is more wholehearted living and it's, it's does bring more joy and it does bring more real connection with others. And it does fill in a way that the other things we tried weren't filling us, you know? And so I think you get more hope and trust in the process than at the beginning when you're only aware of the pain and the, and you're afraid, you're afraid of vulnerability because you don't know what the other side of that looks like. Yep. I guess that's that Dauntless Grace thing that we always talk about here at Dauntless Grace. But if you've ever seen the, um, there's like a, I just lost the word. What's the the animation that we have on our website on dauntlessgrace.org? There's an animation video and you see a woman kind of repeating the cycle of pain in her life. And she keeps coming up against the same old cycle. Yeah. And eventually she has to climb up this mountain and she has a choice. Does she go back to the same pain and cycle that's familiar and she knows she maybe has coping mechanisms now to deal with that? Or does she look out to the side that she has never walked before and take a step that way? And yeah. and so that's 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 the moment. That's why we call our whole ministry Dauntless Grace, because we don't know what the other side of the journey looks like. And so it's scary. But it's if you scary. can lean into that dauntless grace that he provides... The other side's so much better. The, the other side's so much more free, so much more abundant. Um, living in shutdown and self-protection, even if shutdown for you looks like you're going, you know, partying and having fun, it's still not, you know, completely living in the life that God has for you. So um, yeah, if you want to check out that little uh, short animated video, it is on, I think our homepage on dauntlessgrace.org, right? real short, but it's uh, well done. And we had a a partner do that for us. I think it'll feel like, oh yeah, I resonate with that. I've been in the same cycle. I've been laying in bed at night thinking, is this all there is? Is this going to be the story over and over again? Is this going to be the same fight I have with my spouse? for the rest of our lives. Like, right. is this going to be the same uh, way I get, you know, to this point in my career or in my job or in my relationships? And I always hit this spot and it's so painful. And then I just have to pull myself up and do it again all over, you know, and it's always just leading to uh, dissatisfaction, pain, maybe just uh, a longing that's always out there that you just feel will never be met, which eventually leads to despair and um, maybe depression. You know, there's a lot of side effects of living an unfulfilled life. And by fulfilled, I don't mean going and having all the fun and having all the money and doing all the things. I mean, fulfilled, like you're living in true connection, not just with others, but specifically with God, like with the creator that wants to have communion with you. He wants to do that without you feeling like you can't trust him. Like he can't love you well enough, you know, and he does know what we need. We're just so often not willing to go there because we're, we're really afraid that he's going to disappoint us because we've known disappointment so much in the past, Yeah, but he's so good. He's so much better than that. And I think the hallmark of every weekend we've had is some realization for every person that was there of how much God loves them or mm-hmm. sees them right where they are and accepts them for who they are and how much he wants for them as his daughter or his child. So that's the thing that uh, I take away from this weekend, just so filled with hope and joy that 
he has a story for each of us that's so much better than the one we're currently living. And he has all the tools to get us there. Yeah. And we, we don't think that we are fully there. I, like I said, there's always like, God's always still peeling back the layers and there's not like some magic toolbox he gave us that said, okay, you guys have the answers and you're the only ones that do. And so go tell people. But what we do feel like we have is we're walking this journey and we're trying to be vulnerable in the process of it. And yeah. by modeling that and sharing that with people, we believe that we are making a space for others to jump in that journey with us. So it's not about we're doing it better. It's not, trust me, I'm not. It's not about some kind of magical experience that we can offer, but we're just, we're on the journey and we're willing to lay down that armor and say, Hey, join us on this. Yeah. So, so, so come join us. We've got another one coming up in November in Colorado and we are so excited and we have so much anticipation for what God's going to do. We would love to have you there. Yeah. And this is a bigger retreat. So bring your friends, sisters, whatever, and come walk this journey together. It's always better when you're walking alongside someone else. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for information and pricing about individual coaching sessions. And we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.